As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. show and a very special get to know your hosts edition Ooh, yes we put out a slightly self-indulgent request for questions about our awesome foursome on twitter and you answered in your droves we were expecting questions to mainly be about graham's food takes graham's kick collection or graham's <laughs> no. local hairdresser slash bait shop but there were also other <laughs> non-graham topics covered amazing and it's okay that you're all fascinated with graham because we are too. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who has surprisingly strong opinions on Disney's catalogue of animated crab-related songs, Taylor Rockwell. Hello, I sure do. I didn't realize until I wrote that tweet that I guess there are at least two. I was thinking of only the one, but that one that I was thinking of remains number one in my heart. Well, Wrong. I'm assuming that one would be Tamatoa from uh, Mo- uh, Moana, Taylor. I had to look up his name. He's called Tamatoa, and he mentions he it in the first indeed. line of the song. Indeed, he's a coconut it- crab. And he hasn't always been this glam, in case you didn't know. Uh, yes, it is. Tamatoa is my favorite one. And I, and I learned uh, when Moana was on recently, because Moana is always on recently, mm. uh, that at the very end, there's a stinger with him in the credits. And it made me like it even more to know that yes. Joe Lowry probably disliked that even more. No. It's a very worthwhile. It's better than the Marvel post credit scene, I would suggest. I'd agree. Um, I'd agree. What's the other crab, Taylor? I know there's Sebastian. Sebastian. He's a lobster. Oh, all right, cool. Well, then there you go. Never mind then. I apologize uh, to our lobster listeners out there. I hope that they don't mind. Uh, I, I don't mean to offend in any way. He is a rock lobster. Very much indeed. All right. Also here, a man who has seen as many movies as you've seen unicorns walking through the aisles of your local Target. Joe Larry. Hello. That is correct, Brian Bailey. You don't see many unicorns walking around Target, and I don't see many movies except Moana to know that that crab is absolutely evil. I wish he was mute. What? He is actually—is he not actually evil in the movie? He's a bad guy, right? Yeah, he's everything about him is bad. Both his <laughs> his motivation and his singing voice. I will die Gentlemen. on this. So Taylor, I saw I saw you trying to stir up controversy on Twitter. I saw Bells hopping in on that. I saw Snavely hopping in on that. I'm I'm watching you. He's a charming Gentlemen. bad guy though, like Mourinho. I, I have breaking <sighs> news here from the Wikipedia entry. 
Horatio Theolonius Ignatius Crustaceus Sebastian, a.k.a. Sebastian, <laughs> is a red Trinidadian crab <gasps> and servant of King Triton. In your face, Ryan Bailey. In your face. My childhood. What happened to it? <laughs> the entire thing was predicated on, is that why you like hate lobsters to this day? Do you have a secret burning <laughs> hatred of Sebastian? Is that what's going on? Shattered. Can't stand them or the B-52s. Yeah. Incredible, Taylor. Incredible. <laughs> Hurtful. Hurtful. Uh, <laughs> all right. Rounding out our group, a man you may have just heard there, a man who was on vacation this weekend, but like me, appeared to spend the entire weekend watching coverage of the Glastonbury Festival. Hello, Graham Ruthven. Hello, Ryan. Yes, I did. It was. I don't think the money that I spent for that holiday was worthwhile, given that I stayed inside and watched stuff on my laptop from Glastonbury all weekend, as you say. But it's my, it's, I think it might actually be my favourite weekend of the whole year. I just mm. watch every act, basically. I and agree. I enjoyed it very much. I think it might be a distinctly British thing, because it's quite hard to watch outside of the UK, but I managed to with a little ExpressVPN, former sponsor. Hello. Um, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful weekend, Graham, but I, it's, it's great to hear that even when you're on vacation and even when there's no soccer, you still won't spend any time with your family. <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely true. I mean, you have to you have to blame Jack White, Bicep, Idols, Billie Eilish, Kendall Lamar, Paul McCartney, Squid, who else did I watch? Little Sims, Foles, Metronomy. Yeah, they're all to blame, really. Very good. I watched the whole Idols set on the Saturday morning. It was wonderful. Um, I thought Noel Gallagher was great. We seem to have differing opinions on that, Graham. We'll have a fight in the parking lot afterwards about that. <laughs> uh, Casey Musgraves was excellent. Paul McCartney was excellent. Dave Grohl and Bruce Springsteen joining him. Oh, yeah, him. that was good. Uh, join in, Joe, if you have heard of any of these uh, names, by the way. Um, <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo, even. Did you see that, Graham? That was quite interesting. Too. I did, when she brought out uh, Lily Allen to make yeah. a rather poignant statement about something depressing that happened last week. Yes. So before we get to our listener question show, and perhaps this relates to the show as well, there is an elephant in the room. Um, I was out on Friday night uh, in Rome and sort of having a lovely time and then thinking... There's a lot of people not having a lovely time at this point. And uh, Casey Musgraves, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, many, many other artists, American artists on the stage at Glastonbury made some points about the political situation, Taylor, which uh, we've also had some questions about pertaining to this show. We have. And if you don't want politics mixing with your sports, I'd say go ahead and fast forward about 60 seconds or so, because we had that question uh, from Aaron Gustafson on Twitter. How did we feel about Megan Rapinoe's answer to Jonathan Tannenwald's question when Roe v. Uh, Wade was overturned? Uh, how are you finding your voice to support every athlete in the soccer space who is now impacted by state restrictions? Um, and basically putting it as succinctly as I can, I think Megan Rapinoe said it well when she summed up the decision as unnecessary and cruel. I'll also be honest and say that my understanding of this question was basically, are you upset by this decision? I would like to know because it kind of informs whether or not I will enjoy the show. It, apologies if that was not the question being asked. Uh, but my truth, if, if that is the question that was being asked, um, is that I feel rage. I, I really do. Uh, increasingly so. I feel rage that the women in this country and in my life, including my daughter, have lost a, a fundamental freedom of control over their own bodies. I feel deeply saddened. Uh, by that reality. And at this point, that's kind of all I want to say on the topic because I'm still processing it, which is a nice way of saying that if I keep talking about it, I'll get really angry and yell. Uh, I'm sure many other people feel the exact same. Uh, but the final thing I would add is that my wife, when I was talking with her about this last night, about wh whether we should address it on the show, she felt we should. And, and I obviously agreed. Uh, and she pointed out that this felt like yet another in a string of recent sobering reminders that many people in this country don't have the rights they thought they did. I grew up really wanting to believe that I lived in the best country on the planet because I think it's a lot safer to feel that way. 
And so to know how many people feel increasingly unsafe and unprotected in this country, really, it just kind of breaks my heart. Um, and we discussed before recording that I would say something, since ultimately none of us feels fully qualified to wade into this conversation. It doesn't really feel like our domain, and I feel like we'll end up saying, I don't know, just not particularly useful things to the overall discourse. I think the general consensus of the show, though, was espoused by Graham, who so it's like they really simply said, uh, let women decide what's best for their own bodies. As always, Graham said in 10 words what I tend to say in about 100. <laughs> so well said, Graham. Uh, and that's all I would like to say about that. Yeah, I, I didn't really know how to address this question because I, for me, anyway, speaking personally, my my view is um, it's kind of black and white on this. And as, as I said to you, Taylor, in our chat, I can sum it up pretty quickly. And I think it's a reminder that we as humankind, because obviously I speak as an outsider, I'm not an American, nor do I live in the United States. So maybe my voice doesn't matter all that much in this. But it's a reminder that we have to keep fighting for human rights because they can be taken away very easily. And um, yeah, that's that's quite a depressing thought. There was a tweet going around saying time zones are crazy. In Australia, it's 9am. In Rome, it's 1am. And in America, it's 1942, where minorities and women are still controlled by old white men. I love America dearly, probably more than anything else. But God say, this has been a couple things in the last few weeks that have really tested my relationship, I should Just say. Just a few weeks, not a few years? You don't want to keep that one going? <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say a few weeks as a starting point, Taylor. All right. I'm yeah. trying to get a visa after all. Anyway, let's uh, let's carry on with the show. Um, we've got a question here from Chris Bertone, who wants us to get deep. He wants us to get personal, to kick off our listener questions. Who is everyone's favorite Ninja Turtle? Now, I think there's only one correct answer for this one, Ooh. and I'll be shocked if any of you don't pick the answer I have in my head. So, uh, Joe, you have the option of Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, or Donatello. Which way do you go, Joe? Okay, I'm really afraid now, Ryan, the way you built that up. <laughs> I I haven't seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in such a long time. I could not tell you what the differences are between them. So I'm looking at them on Google right now to figure out the one that I like the look of the most. As a child, if we're getting personal here, my favorite color was orange. And Michelangelo's little head thing, tie, scarf, eye scarf, his eye scarf <laughs> is orange. So therefore, I'm going with Michelangelo. Joe, your level of preparation for this question is is <laughs> second to none, my friend. Thank you. Start <laughs> the way you need to continue, Joe. That was uh, your logic was interesting, but your answer was correct, Taylor. Yes. Oh wow. Well, then you're not going to be pleased with my answer. Just because... don't say Donatello. It's okay, Donatello. He... It's Donatello. What? He's the best one. No. Wow. I think we're going to have some mixed answers here because <sighs> my honest answer as a little kid, it was Leonardo because I thought the leader was always the coolest. But everybody I knew who was actually cool from my older brother to my best friends were all super into Raphael because he's deep and he's emotional and he has interesting weapons that also seem like they could be forks at the same time. Uh, but I think I kind of leaned Leonardo but really wanted to be like Raphael. Raphael was the Chandler of the group. So wisecracking... That's no, the, the other way. He was the he was the he was the moody one. He was the brooding one who was always like off wandering by himself and contemplating reality of being a sentient turtle. <laughs> See, I thought for me, for me, that was Donatello. <laughs> He's just got a big stick and he just sits around and sulks a lot. Greg. Donatello does machines, Ryan. Yes, exactly. Donatello's a party dude, Taylor. He's got nunchucks. <laughs> Ryan, you like gadgets. Donatello's the one who does the gadgets, isn't it? He's, he, I've yeah. got that right, have I not? No, yeah, that's got... the intro theme song. Donatello does he have any Apple machines. products? Does Donatello have any Apple products? Because that's the only <laughs> yeah, way you're winning Ryan a, over. This is actually it. Donatello's more of an Android man, and Ryan, ah, Ryan has held cool. that against him his whole life. That, that checks cool. out. 
That's true. Is it generally uh, on a Telegram? To be fair, Krang is an android man. Hey! See what I did there? Because he kind of like lives inside of a robot, I think. You made a funny! Hey! That's my Splinter impression. Thank you. Donatello was always the one I liked when I was a kid because he did the gadgets. And I, I liked gadgets. Yeah. I think he'd be a good colleague because I think he would... Like, Raphael and Leonardo, they all kind of burst in without any real... Well, they don't really think about the task at hand, whereas I think Donatello yeah. would think about things ahead of time. And so I think he'd probably be the... If, if you had to pick a colleague out of the four of them, I think Donatello would be the one you'd go for. All yeah, right. Leonardo is the boring one in the way that, like, no one's favorite X-Men is Cyclops. It's sort of like the leader is never that interesting. Donatello does seem like the most enjoyable, chill one. I feel like we had the question as well, which of us is which one? And Joe, I think, is probably Donatello because it's yes. just sort of mild-mannered and into tech. The most Down. useful one, frankly, <laughs> is yeah, Donatello yeah, and Joe. Definitely. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, we have some very disparate uh, positions on that one, clearly, Chris Burton. Thank you for the question. But it is clear that none of us, uh, much like PSG's upper management, none of us really like Leonardo. Um, why don't we move on to Yo Adrian one who says, if you weren't a soccer podcast host, what subject would you host a podcast on? Uh, I think it's quite clear for me, gents, it will be a podcast about footballers who live in my brother's neighborhood. Graham, what about you? <laughs> Disney theme parks. I'm not kidding. I've had this for long enough. <laughs> if we're looking beyond sport, not just football, this is my specialist subject. Don't at me. Not just not in a sort of Disney adult way. You know, you see those people who, like cry upon meeting Mickey Mouse. I just enjoy le- learning yeah, about the creative process. Upon Mickey Mouse. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> it was actually yeah, Minnie. It was Minnie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Minnie. It's- uh, I just enjoy learning about the creative process. Guys like Tony Baxter and Joe Rody and. They kind of took the concept of amusement park, turned it into something more, much more immersive. And if you're interested, are they fungineers? Imagineers. Imagineers. Is, Sorry. Yeah. No, and there's a, I, was, I was literally just going to come on to that. There's a, do, a six-part documentary series on Disney Plus called The Imagineering Story. It is genuinely very good, and it's about that creative process, and it's, it's brilliant. So if anyone is at all interested in anything I'm saying, probably not, go and watch that. So we should look forward to subscribing to Graham Rutherford, colon, Etcon, It's Not So Bad. Uh, on, <laughs> on wherever you download your podcasts soon. Exactly. Excellent. Come Taylor, soon. Taylor, what about you? Um, I wish I had a, a more like fun answer to this one, but I thought about it in a serious way. And I think mine would probably be either a, like a history of the Ottoman Empire, because I find the Ottoman Empire fascinating and the variations to uh, leadership they took. Um, but then also the, the big one, I have like history, anthropology, sociology are like my primary interests. That's what I studied in school. So I would say a podcast on the history of food would be really appealing to me. The history of methods of I cooking, ancient recipes, the people that inspired <laughs> them, food as medicine in ancient world, all those things. I'd be very into how dishes spread and how ingredients kind of like crossed the globe. Uh, that, that all definitely appeals. You definitely have Graham's attention on that one, Tay Any <laughs> Any meat pies in there? Oh, uh, yes, in fact, because I feel like that is, there's probably a story there about why those first came to be and how they became so ubiquitous in terms of easy meals to have on the go. Yeah. I so, mean, anything that's, anything that is pastry or even yeah. pizza, right? And Naples was for working uh, men right. predominantly who oh. could, had to eat their lunch on the go and it had to, like, you had to hold it in See? one hand. That's like See? pies and pizza and stuff like that, is it not? Yeah. Yep. We got a podcast going here. here we we, go. we actually, we do. We're on, we. Your yeah. point, Joe. Literally. Yeah. Very meta, Joe. Very meta. Um, Very Donatello. Titus Andronicus and all that. That was all pies, wasn't it? Uh, I've gone down that road. Anywho, um, my I, my serious answer, I'll get to you in a minute, Joe. Apologies, I, I jumped in here. But my serious answer would be, I'd probably do a podcast about the band Oasis. Uh, I think it's the thing I know more about anything in this world. Or possibly it would be about early 2000s emo and pop punk. I'm talking like Blink-182, so, uh, Dashboard so Professional. So not 90s Britpop. 
I could do a lot on 90s Britpop, definitely, but uh, Oasis would be my specialty. Mark Burjaski also asked, what side of the Blur Oasis divide did Brian fall on? I hope you have your answer there. I like Blur, but it's um, Oasis. Um, I flew back to the UK last weekend just to watch Noel Gallagher play, as I think I mentioned on a previous show. And I'm a little bit obsessed with Oasis, and I always have been. Um, So that would be my genuine answer, because... I also feel like I know a lot more about music than I do about soccer. And I hope that isn't disparaging of my own soccer knowledge and interests. But the way that Joe can break down a game and understand things that other people don't see, I feel like I can kind of do that more with music, if that makes sense. So, um, Ryan, is is it Noel that you are the fan of between yes. the two brothers? Yes. Like, is he... Because I really like music, but I don't think that there are bands that I, I feel that way about. I certainly wouldn't like fly to another country for one. Like, is it is it the equivalent, basically, from a soccer perspective of like trying to see Messi, like basically doing what you can to be able to see Messi in person? Do you see him as like that level of a genius when it comes to music? Yes, yes. I think that the the in person experience makes it all the more different. But I'm I'm looking at nerdy things. I'm like, oh, he's used that guitar for three three songs, and then he's doing that. He's he's using a capo there, and he's changed the chords there, and he's done that. I'm I'm very obsessed in on that macro micro level, I should say as well. Taylor, that, Taylor what you just said there about Messi was definitely me with Paul McCartney like last month when I felt like I needed to see the the like last remaining key beetle. Sorry, Ringo. <laughs> 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 the key beetle. He didn't busy. write any songs, did he? Well, he did write a few, but they weren't particularly good. But yeah, Graham the guy that wrote all the songs, I felt like I needed to see him. Yellow Submarine called Graham. Hello. True, true. Sorry, Ringo. Graham, Graham, David Cross had a joke when uh, George Harrison died that, like, at the, I think at the end of it, he was talking about how much George Harrison had meant to him, and it ends with him saying, but, like, hey, at least now that John and George are dead, we can get a Beatles reunion because you know the other two would do it. So I feel like maybe that speaks to what you're talking about with Ringo. Oof. Yes. Yes, it does. I just like with Paul McCartney, he's had the same drummer, uh, Abe is his name, and he's brilliant, and he's had the same drummer for 20 years, and Ringo still hasn't had a call. Oh boy, yeah. He's very busy in his octopus's garden, Graham, I think is the answer there. <laughs> um, Joe, your answer for if you, were, uh, if you were to have a different podcast to host. Maybe mine will be a, a companion podcast for Taylor's because cooking is what mine would be centered on and around. I think there's some really excellent cooking podcasts out there that have made me enjoy cooking. I don't cook right now as much as I would like to, but maybe it can be a journey from an amateur chef to like a a real legit, not restaurant style chef, but you know, someone who knows their way all the way around the food kitchen. Food truck chef. Yeah. Food, oh, food truck chef. I do quite like food trucks. Something cooking related and, uh, and maybe I'll pair it along with Taylor and make the stuff that he's talking about in his. Sounds like we've got a, a, a buddy show there. We've got a, we've got a food podcast in the works. What do we say? Down. On the feed? I'm, I'm into it. 100% into it. Let's food, do on it right food on the feed. Food on the feed. Yep. And what's your specialty dish, Joe? Oh, I mean, right now it's more baking than cooking, to be honest. Mostly bread, which is a real throwback because Taylor, you and I used to talk about bread a lot on this yep. show. Um, mostly bread, but I mean, I, I quite enjoy making pizza from scratch and making uh, pasta and all sorts of other things. There's really Gosh. not a lot of things I don't enjoy making. Two questions, or two things. First of all, Joe once sent me a loaf of bread, in fact, because that's how sweet Joe is. Joe, second of all, do you use different machines when you make your bread? This is going to be a Donatello tie-in. And sure, it's yeah, I mean, a, a, a KitchenAid stand mixer is always useful. Go. I think we can this work with see. that. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, Donatello would be a baker. Let's put, like, it's all about the science and measuring. <laughs> Joe is Donatello confirmed. You've, you've buried the lead there. Did Joe send, did you mail a loaf of bread 3,000 miles to Taylor? 
Yeah, we just talked about bread so much that it felt yep. like it would be the right... It, it was a nice mix of trying to be nice and also a gag at the same time. And it was bread, and, and it did happen. Yeah. It was annoyingly good. Joe can make good bread. I cannot, so I was annoyed by it. All, all, also very grateful, but mildly annoyed. <laughs> I, I like to think Joe gave the bread... It was like a, a chain of MLS managers, and each manager passed it to another manager until it made it to the East Coast. And that's exactly system. what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Thank you very much for that question. Yo, Adrian, let's get in one more before we take a break. Russell Varner. Hey, Russell, how's it going? Um, is one of several people who asked, what player or moment made you fall in love with the Sockers? Taylor. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it answers the question. It's more of a moment. But, like, I remember, this is how old I am, downloading clips of goals off the Internet and then watching, like, the three-second clip that took an hour to download because it was the crowd noise that really pulled me in. Young me was super into the the reaction of the crowd when the goal goes in, and that remains sort of my favorite part of watching soccer is just, like, 60,000 people having a collective experience and being super excited about a ball going into a net mm. is hilarious and amazing all at once so that remains my favorite part it's the thing that always kind of pulled me into soccer and made me want to score a goal in front of a bunch of people which i'm not sure i ever did but still the uh, the dream lives on <laughs> that's very similar to mine i'd say Tate, because my direct answer was it was when i was like 11 or 12 and i started going to games with my dad and my brother and it was it was about the smell of the stadium and it was about that feeling in your chest when your team scores and there's thousands of people collectively cheering it's it's really infectious and there's something very basic and tribal about supporting a soccer team, isn't there? And something a bit silly and it's arbitrary, really, isn't it? Which team we support in the end. But it's it's also very special, you know, getting that first kit and feeling part of something as well. But then I started thinking about this question more. And I think the thing that made it fun for me back then was being with my dad and brother on a Saturday, every other Saturday. And the more I think about it, the more I think we could have been going to watch badminton. It was more about the ritual of going to games and having that collective experience as well for me anyway um graham what about you, you lived you lived in wimbledon and the other sport that you choose chose as an example to go and see was badminton well because i would actually go watch tennis graham <laughs> right okay sure <laughs> anyway graham um i'm not sure i remember players that i idolized as a kid i think as an older teenager robert snodgrass was a bit of a hero for me he played for stone albion on loan he only played 12 games for us but he won his promotion and then he went on to play in the Premier League and for Scotland. And I always thought that was kind of amazing that Albion had played such an important role in his career. And I still think that's amazing. Um, but I think there was definitely a mystique about the Brazil team of 1998 when I was growing up. And I would have been six or seven years old at that time. And I remember R9 being on everything ahead of that World Cup. And that was probably the first tournament that I was truly aware of. So he was he was kind of the first global superstar soccer superstar in my eyes and in terms of moments I go, I go back to that 98 world cup the opener between scotland and brazil i think i've spoken about this before as my as my first really vivid memory of, of football and i was definitely into football before then but as a seven-year-old that was probably a pretty formative moment for me as a, as a football fan and then another moment snodgrass to mention him again he scored this stunning free kick in a playoff final for Stern albion and, and, and i was there and it was the first season that i'd really followed Albion, there were 2,000 fans at, at uh, Broadwood, uh, an away stadium that was an away crowd, and for Stern Albion, that's a huge crowd. So that was, that's probably my favourite moment as a fan, even to, the, to this day, and from there, your, your fandom of the team just kind of accelerates. Very nice. Joseph, how about you? Yeah, I mean, there's a few for me. So I was exposed to soccer. <laughs> it sounds like exposed to COVID. I was exposed to soccer. <laughs> 
um, as like as a child through some friends of mine that are from Peru. And so they, their family is very soccer heavy. And I didn't fully appreciate it at the time. But basically leading into sort of after that period, leading into the 2014 World Cup, Van Persie's header did some real wonders. I was in Spain at the time and you could sort of hear the just the groans from everybody around as they watched that goal happen from Van Persie. Hmm. That helped a lot. And then Messi helped a lot as well. It's very cliche, but just watching him do things with a soccer ball that I'd never really seen any player in any sport do with their respective sporting equipment. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's mesmerizing to watch him play. Maybe slightly less so now, but even still, like there's so many of those moments with Argentina and, and with PSG where you can see just how good he is. And then pretty much ever since 2014 and that World Cup, it transitioned from being really captivated by those individual moments and more interested in how the game works and why some teams are good at it and why some teams are bad at it. And, and that kind of is where I am today and how I think about soccer today. Nicely done. Thank you very much, Russell, for the question. After the break, we'll be talking about meat pies and much more. Back soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our Get to Know Your Host special. Um, this one from Albert Camus Cthulhu. Excuse me if I pronounce that incorrectly, but uh, thank you for the question, Albert. If you were a meat pie, what ingredients would you be made of? Um, the answer is obvious for me, gents. It's a chilies, honey, chipotle, chicken crispers would be uh, entirely <laughs> the contents of the pie because I prefer that than having blood in my veins to have honey, <laughs> chipotle sauce instead. Joe, what about you? Okay, so I I don't really feel a huge need. Let's go two ways with this. I don't really feel a huge need to deviate from what I feel like is a very classic British meat pie, which would have, Graham, just sort of back me up on this, some sort of meat that's cubed, uh, some sort of potato or swede, and then Mm -hmm. some sort of vegetable in, in a brown sauce, right? Is that about right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the staple. Yeah. So I think those are unreal. I think they're so good. And I know Graham is the meat pie lover around here, so I'm not trying to infringe on your territory, but I mm-hmm. do quite love a pasty. So so I don't really feel the need to mess with that, but I also would like to create my own sort of spin-off meat pie that doesn't actually involve any meat, and it's just going to be an apple pie in in like a a pocket of pastry because apple pie might be my favorite food on planet Earth. It is so good. It, it is like what I'll have on my birthday every single year. So I'm just going to stuff apple pie filling inside of a pie crust, which is just apple pie in a different form. Do you have your apple pie cooling on the windowsill, Joe, before you eat it? It doesn't. See, Ryan, things don't really cool on the windowsill in Arizona. <laughs> so you can put them on the windowsill if you want, but you might as well just toss it in the fridge because that's the only way that thing is going to cool down. Very good point. Graham, uh, everyone's waiting for your answer to this question. I'd be a scotch pie, for obvious reasons, given the name, but also nobody is really sure what's in a scotch pie, so apparently Greg's, and I went and googled this, apparently Greg's switched between mutton and and beef, depending on what's the cheapest at any given time, 
And the only the only criteria for what's in a Scotch pie is that it's cheap. So that feels pretty apt to describe me as a person. <laughs> also, you're most likely to find a Scotch pie at the football. And again, pretty apt comparison for me, I think. Excellent logic. Taylor, how about you? I'm still reeling from Joe's meat pie being an apple pie. Uh, that's great. <laughs> You're welcome. Joe, uh, for me, uh, uh, buttery puff pastry, ground lamb with rosemary, red pepper flakes, and garlic, sauteed kale, feta cheese. There's your meat pie. Of course. Oh, wow. Of course. Of course, Taylor. Of course you went that direction. Does, what do you does mean? That Why, served with a, is that served with a craft beer as well? No. But maybe, <laughs> if you want to. Is it served no, with it's a served with a Budweiser. Attitude? Graham. How about that? <laughs> Coors Light. Yeah. All right, thank you for that question. Danny but Kane. No. <laughs> Danny Kane has asked, what's the one dream job each of you would leave TSS for? Uh, a very good question here. Uh, for me, I think I'm going to come back to music. I'd be a touring musician if I could be anything because I think playing live music is my favorite thing to do. Uh, I got to do it for the first time last week in more than a year and I found it rather wonderful. But I'm not going anywhere from TSS. Don't worry. No, no, no bands are picking me up to go tour at this point. Taylor, what about you? What's the dream job you would leave this gig for? Obvious one. T-Rex Wrangler. <laughs> Actually, did you, did you need more? I mean, because that's kind of my answer. No, like, come on. If, that, that like, if we're going dream job, I need Jurassic Park to be real. Uh, and then we're going to have actual fences and well-designed facilities and nothing will ever go wrong because we spared no expense uh and then yeah i'll be a t-rex wrangler and ideally i will one day ride a t-rex or become one myself maybe that should be my ultimate goal much like so, the dad and stepbrothers i just want to be a t-rex are you going down the, the sam neil route or the chris pratt route which feels more like be your careful. sort of vibe? i feel like you don't need to ask that question <laughs> i feel like you just know the answer to that but the answer is sam neil yes. of course correct yes. so no yes. standing holding your hand out straight uh which is how you wrangle a dinosaur according to chris pratt right yeah, while dressed like Han Solo. Uh, well, no, yeah, precisely. not so much. I want to be the guy who doesn't know how a seatbelt works somehow, which I understand is a metaphor for the movie, but that is still one of the more ridiculous moments of like, look how out of touch he is. He doesn't know how to use a seatbelt. That's not, that's not great. That's not great, Sam Neill. Graham, how about you? Well, I would have said F1 driver because they don't seem, they only, the, a few years ago, they only did about 18 races a year, and that sounds um, pretty sweet to me. But now they're up in that to 25 and there's talk of 26. That's way, way, way too much work. So um, I'm just going to say someone who sits at home, watches TV, watches football, speaks into a microphone every few days, gets a laptop laptop of every so often. But actually, pretty much what I do just now, I think, is... Uh, Who's going to pay you to do that? <laughs> that's the question I ask every day. <laughs> Excellent. Joe, how about you? I want to be Guy Fieri. I want I want his job for real. That's not a joke. I, I would love to be. What is yeah, his first job? of all, mayor first of all, Flavortown. yeah, yeah, mayor of well, he has many titles, Graham. Mayor of Flavortown, uh, Triple D Captain, Triple G Captain as well. Um, there's some other spinoff shows on Food Network that are not nearly as good, but still sort of under the Guy Fieri umbrella. I'll do those too, darn it, just because that's a pretty sweet job. I was thinking food critic at first when I read this question, and then I thought no. That's kind of, at least in my mind, it's it's kind of stuffy and and too too prestigious. I want to be Guy Fieri on TV, just mm. without the bleached fl- frosted tips, because I don't Joe. think I could quite pull those off. 
Joe, I like that my original answer for this one, my serious answer for this one, was uh, Celebrity Chef. Nice. Because I like the idea of getting to go around and judge food competitions but not have to cook under pressure myself. So I feel like we're in the same line. And I would add, Guy Fieri, though he does get the groans and the eye rolls, I think also raised something like $25 million for workers during the pandemic. So, Joe, that also feels up your alley. Like, who thoughtful but also caring about food. And, yeah, frosted tips with giant glasses. Let's get it going. <laughs> who would dare roll their eyes at Guy Fieri? I I can't even fathom that. That is one step too far, Taylor. <laughs> I don't think I've I'm ever seen... I'm learning so many things today, and it makes me very happy. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen one of his shows. I'm, so, I'm sorry to say, Joe, but all I can think of is he looks like he might be in Smash Mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, yeah, you could put him in any number of different bands. Ryan, you okay. need to go fix that right now. <laughs> they, have, they have a vacancy, I believe. Uh, last time they, they caught fire on social media was for Ooh. their lead singer. Not performing well. So maybe Guy Fieri could do, could do double duty. I love that Joe, like, knows nothing about the Ninja Turtles, doesn't watch movies, but has strong opinions on I Guy Fieri. I, I love, love the Food episode. Network. I love the Food Network. <laughs> that is like, if I'm not watching soccer or watching some sort of recurring TV show or, or whatever it is, the Food Network is my absolute jam. Joe, have you watched the original Iron Chef? Um, bits and pieces. Not, not a ton of it. The, the original one from J- Japan, yeah. that guy who pretends to be like the food chairman, is definitely <laughs> just a, like uh, a musical theater like performer. Good. Like, I saw him perform Les Mis, so that's, that's <laughs> also very strange to me, but I love that competition so much. So good. All right. You're listening to The Total Food Show. We are going yeah. through our listener questions right now. Here's one from Brian Hansen. Which co-hosts have actually met the others in person? This is a very interesting question. I know I have met Taylor Rockwell several times. Yep. I don't think I've met grandmother and we started working together, I'm going to say, around 10 years ago yeah. on the old Bleacher Report. But I don't think, well, I refuse to go to Scotland on a principle, so I, I haven't <laughs> met you there, certainly. Well, um, I'm in London uh, this coming weekend, so you know maybe you could fly over uh, and visit me just like you visited Noel Gallagher, a man that you have never spoken to in your life nah. before. Well, I presume maybe you have, actually. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, I'm all right. <laughs> I don't think I've met Joe either. No, so I haven't met Ryan or Graham, but I have met Taylor. That was in Seattle uh, for MLS Cup a couple of years back. And yeah, I haven't, haven't met either of the British fellas. Is Graham? that the only time? We've been to, haven't we been around each other once more since then? Or was it, only, was it only Seattle? I thought it was just Seattle, but now you have me doubting. No, you might be right. But I, yeah, I definitely thought it was, it was two. But maybe it was just Seattle. And then Ryan, we met in New York. We met in Charlotte. Graham, I don't think we have ever met, sadly. Although we've known no. each other for lifetimes. I've not I've not met many people to be fair. I am the archetypal work from home podcaster, uh, <laughs> but I think that I think that is going to hopefully change at some point fairly soon because we have spoken. About it. But the three of you could be bots as far as I'm I'm concerned. Maybe this is all <laughs> we're all AI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Graham, I would love to meet you in London at some time for a drink, but um, the the airports are not great right now. Um, let's I have see. heard that. That's yeah. why I'm going on train, and the trains are also terrible. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Wonderful. Travel. Awesome. All right. Austin Janicki asks, which of the four co-hosts is most likely to sink a three-pointer? I'm thinking Joe is interested in the basketballs. Does that mm. mean he's most likely, Joe? Um, I would wager it's not you, Ryan, because of how you say basketballs every time. Um, and <laughs> I would also wager that it's probably not Graham, just given the nope. cultural differences. And Taylor, I don't really see you as much of a basketball player, to be totally honest. Um, Hurtful and accurate. Hurtful yeah, because I'm pretty sure we talked about that before. <laughs> so I, I did play basketball growing up in, in all through high school. I am not much of a shooter, 
which is just means I'm a bad basketball player because that's pretty much how that works now. But uh, yeah, I think of the four of us, it is it is I. What if I told you, Joe, that I played on my school basketball team, I had a hoop at home, and I'm 6'2"? Um, yeah, I'm imagining like a little tykes hoop. Is that about right? <laughs> Correct, yes. <It's laughs> yeah. still, the answer is it's still you. It's still My you. answer is unchanged. <laughs> Joe, Joe I, have, I have another question for you. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're practicing free throws... Like, like, I hope this will make sense. But you, like, is your method to like, like, analyze your shot and figure out what you're doing wrong and slowly fine tune it, or is it just repetition over and over and over again until you get kind of the rhythm? Because my assumption is that you will like tinker and adjust, and eventually you end up hitting like ten out of ten. Yeah, I mean, I think those things are not mutually exclusive. Like, you're tinkering as you're getting the reps because you still need the reps, but at the same time, you should be looking at your shot to figure out, okay. What is wrong? Is is which finger is coming off the ball last? Where is my actual wrist pointed? How are my feet set up? Is my shoulder in line? Like you should be thinking through some of those different things, but also just shooting the basketball a lot, which I did, but still didn't end up being very good at basketball. And Graham would just dunk from the three point line. Little known fact: Graham has incredible vertical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm quite tall. That's the only thing yeah, I've got going for me. With let's basketball. do that. Let's do that real quick. So, Ryan, you said you're six two. Is that is that actually true, or are we just pulling my leg? That's true, and also I did play on my team. Okay. At what age? Also, while we're on that, up to about fourteen, so not. Okay. Nice. Okay. So Ryan is six two. Graham, how tall are you? Yeah, six two as well. Okay. Taylor, you're shorter than that. As am I. I'm six five. <laughs> I'm five eleven. <laughs> so I'm I'm the shortest of us all because I'm five ten. I'm five ten. So yeah, man, it should be you guys who are better at basketball. <laughs> see, I wouldn't. I'm 5, I wouldn't 11 say I'm three quarters, and I'm real bitter about it. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm amazing at soccer, but I think if you start a sport as a child, you tend to have the base, yeah. the base technique, and that that's what I have with soccer. And I just don't have because I, I never had that exposure with basketball. I don't think I've got that base technique. I could probably dribble, but shooting the ball, I'm definitely no Steph Curry. Yeah, and, and flip that around for me because I didn't play much soccer as a child. I played it, you know, at four and five, and then stopped until I was in high school. So I I missed all the formative development years for soccer, but I did play plenty of basketball sort of in that time frame. Good stuff. Austin, thank you for the question. Uh, we've had quite a few ruminations on why is Ryan in Italy? Why did Ryan <laughs> leave Charlotte? Uh, Jeremy White asks a question for Brian. Nice touch. Uh, what brought you to the US initially and what do you love most about American culture? Are there any British things you missed when living in the US or in Italy now? Um, without going into too much detail, I came to the US in 2011 because my wife got a job there. She works in international schools. Um, and that is the reason we've come to Italy as well, because she got an opportunity here. She's on a two-year contract here, and uh, we're going to go back to Charlotte uh, next year. That is the plan anyway. Um, so we're just doing a little sojourn in Europe at the moment. And my, the story of when we went to the US, uh, I've always loved America and American culture, obviously. Um, she got she applied for this job and didn't think much of it until she got the call and said, you've got the job. Uh, it's either in Charlotte or Chicago. You have 24 hours to decide. And here we are sitting there in London, having been to neither and not having heard of one of them. And uh, we ended up picking Charlotte. Uh, we were sold on the weather and no regrets because it's my favorite place in the world. Um, but as to why, you know, my love of American culture or whatnot, I think maybe Graham can attest to this, that as Brits, you grow up on American culture, essentially, the cartoons, the, the TV shows, the films. Um, I just love the, the the wide open space. I love the cars. I love that it's massive and it's varied you've got every climate you could ever need in the states and i feel like it's just i don't know if you feel like this graham but it's a bit more it just feels a bit more glamorous than the uk so oh yeah 
Um, I mean, I feel like not not difficult with Glasgow to be fair. <laughs> yeah, to I, be more gla- glamorous than here. <laughs> the way I put it is like the UK is like watching TV in black and white, but the US feels like you're in 4K Technicolor, basically. Which may, I don't want to disparage the UK too much, but that's the kind of feeling I get. And that I love that positivity that Americans have and the friendliness. And the UK has gotten a lot better in both those respects, I would say, in the last decade or so. But still, that stands out to me. Um, anything I hey, Ryan, miss? Shut up for a second. I got something to say. No, Go I'm just kidding. Oh, there it is. Um, and speaking of that, Italy. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the question asked if there's any British things I missed um, in the US or Italy. Nando's. Number one on the list. Number one with the bullet, Graham. Is that? Uh, wait, hold on. Is Nando's British? I don't think I'm going to give you all that one. I feel like Portugal would like a word. So Peri Peri is Portuguese, but I feel like Nando's might actually be a South African company that is most popular in Britain. Slightly strange mix, but I, th- I believe that is the case. Once again, Graham is accurate, but it is very much part of UK culture. And it's something I miss. I had one when it came back last weekend, for example. I'd say probably I miss my family, but Nando's is a close second. Um, also, decent, cheap tea bags, which are hard to come by both in the oh, US yeah. and in Italy. Uh, and the same thing I miss... From uh, the thing I miss from the US now, casual dining, Starbucks, and w- once again to ruminate on the theme of music, because I used to love going to watch live music and play live music, and not a lot of the touring bands are like come down to southern Italy. So that's that's my answer. Was that that wasn't too soppy, was it, Taylor? No, not at all. Good. The other things I, I know this isn't isn't the question at all, but while we're naming things that Britain, if I lived in America, things I would miss from Britain, biscuits. I don't think I think Britain does great biscuits, and here's a big one, right? This is maybe controversial. Chocolate, British chocolate, mm. Cadbury's is so much better than I'm sure there is good American chocolate, but like the standard Hershey's chocolate is no good, no, no, no good. Hundred percent on that, Graham. Yes, whenever we would go back to the UK, would fill a suitcase up with Cadbury's, basically because Hershey's tastes like vomit, and I don't care who would care to argue <laughs> with that. And I hope they're not a sponsor on this particular podcast. They're not, are they, Taylor? Christian Pulisic is coming after you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pennsylvania. I don't mean it. I do. I do mean it. Um, one more Ryan-centric question from Yaz Nasty. What is Ryan's favorite song off of Clarity? That's a Jimmy Eat World album. Jimmy Eat World, one of my favorite bands. And does it frustrate him to know Joe has probably bumped into Jim Adkins, the singer from Jimmy Eat World, a dozen times at their local TJs without knowing he is the genius who penned for me. This is heaven. Uh, Joe, are you aware of uh, Jimmy Eat World? They are, I think they're from Mesa. Which I, Is Mesa part of the... Phoenix Metropolis? It's a suburb. Yeah, it's a suburb right. of Phoenix. So I'm, I am I know of Jimmy Eat World. Ryan, I'm glad you explained who Jim Atkins was because I did not know who he is. Thank you. Uh, you probably have <laughs> bumped into him at TJ's getting some wine or whatnot, I imagine. Frozen pizza. Well, you probably shop a little nicer than that, having Ooh. heard your food tastes. <laughs> but um, uh, my favorite song off of Clarity is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's called Table for Glasses. It's the opening track. I also very much like Goodbye Sky Harbor, the final track, because ah, uh, all the lyrics... airport. Ah. Yeah, there you go. And it's, a, uh, it's actually all the lyrics in that song, Joe, are taken from the book A Prayer for Owen Meany uh, by uh, John Irving. Um, and it's very cleverly done. Uh, that is my favorite album ever. And I've seen Jimmy World 16 times live. I'm not counting. And can that. you play these, these tracks, Ryan? I know you like your gu- guitar. Sure can. Well, it's, but it's kind of like... You, do, you shouldn't cover Smells Like Teen Spirit because there's nothing much you can do to it. So I wouldn't necessarily do it on the reg, Graham, if that makes sense. Mm. But like Smoke in the Water or Seven Nation Army or something like that. Quite simplistic, is it? Yeah. Well, what, what are you saying? Jimmy, well, it's simplistic. 
They're, I don't. I don't know Jimmy Eat World that well, so you tell me. No, they 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 have pop sensibilities, Graham, but they have some quite complex things going on. With Graham, you watch yourself there. You you watch yeah. yourself. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, Taylor, Jimmy Eat World, yay nay. Lucky Denver Mint, man. That's my favorite track off Clarity. Yeah, it's a good album, though, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I yeah, I have I have fond memories of Jimmy Eat World from high school. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, why don't we go to a Joe centric question before we hit a break again from Scruffy Jack? Good handle. For Joe, best things to do in Arizona besides the Grand Canyon. My family might plan a vacay out there this winter. Joe. Nice. So I'm glad, first of all, Scruffy Jack, that you specified that you're coming in the winter because my summer list of things to do was going to be extremely different than this one. It was mostly going to be, yeah, stay inside, get as close to air conditioning as you can. In terms of the winter, I know you mentioned not the Grand Canyon. Everybody kind of knows about the Grand Canyon already, but there are so many other really beautiful spots in northern Arizona. Ryan, you came down to Arizona not too long ago, right? And you you did some of the northern Arizona hiking stuff. And there's, I mean, there's so many beautiful spots. Sedona is is really pretty. Payson and some of the other smaller towns in northern Arizona are quite nice. There's not always a ton to do in some of those smaller areas, but still, if you're looking to do outdoorsy stuff, that's a really good spot. If you want to come down to Phoenix itself which is, you know, where I am and, and where I recommend outside of doing some of those more hikey things up north, I, I would say eat a lot. I think there's a lot of really good food in Arizona of all sorts of different cuisines and kinds. In downtown Gilbert, there's a, a really good barbecue spot called Joe's Barbecue. No, uh, no relation to myself as a fellow Joe, but I do have to give it props because it is also owned by a Joe. So you got to respect that. And then some really good Mexican food. There's so much um, to bring in the Guy Fieri tie-in. Guy Fieri went to a place called Los Taquitos and they have a couple different locations and it is excellent. There's there's so much other good food as well. That's just barely scratching the surface. But yeah, eat, maybe hike some in northern Arizona. There's there's plenty of hiking to do down in Phoenix itself as well if you are willing to drive just a little bit to get a little more outside the city. But yeah, I, I really love Arizona and would certainly recommend coming to visit, especially in the winter. Yeah, I, I was I went just over a year ago, Joe, as you say, and I thought I, we did a bunch of the national parks basically, and it was yeah. absolutely stunning. I thought Sedona was out of this world. I think Grand Canyon's probably the least interesting of the national parks, in fact. Um, and I, I had some very good food as well, and I think Arizona is wonderful. And I'm very yeah. glad that we organised a trip to go there. You, you live in a lovely state, Joe. It's lovely, yeah, even if it, you have weird time zones and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't mess with daylight savings time, and it is it is really difficult at times to live here in the summer. I mean, air conditioning makes that really not that much of a factor anymore. But it's not pleasant to be in Arizona for at least stretches of the summer. But man, the winter is beautiful, and if you can get out and explore and, and just spend time outside, and if you can handle it. It is worth your time. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Joseph. Thank you very much for the question. Scruffy Jack. We'll be back with more after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. 
Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. I've got a, a Taylor and a Graham-specific question coming up. Let's start with Graham's from Patrick Delaney. Uh, what's your favourite FM save, football manager save you've ever done? <laughs> Who was it with? What did you win? Any other memorable aspects? You can tell a lot by a man, by how they play football manager. <laughs> okay, so my favourite save, and I, I roughly have a different save about three every three or four months. Um, so my favourite save that I can remember recently, so maybe there's one years ago that was better than this, but I started out, and I've done this a few times, I started out unemployed, and I apply for jobs, and I get one through interviews. You have to kind of make yourself either a former professional footballer or a former international player, otherwise you just don't get any offers at all. But this specific save, save I started out at Forfar in Scotland. I moved on to Dunfermline, got them promoted to the Scottish Premiership. From there, I got the Hearts job. I got Hearts into the Europa League. From there, I got the Nottingham Forest job. And I went back and looked at this save to get it all correct. So I then got Nottingham Forest up into the Premier League. I made the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Got absolutely smashed by Manchester United 5-1. But nonetheless, got the Newcastle job. Didn't do all that well with them. That was a bit of a, a sticky patch. But from there, I got the, the Scotland job. Took them to the 2030 World Cup. Made the semi-finals, got put out by Sweden, which was disappointing because I felt I could have beat them. Billy Gilmore made the team of the tournament, so, you know, it is accurate after all. Uh, the problem after that was by the time you get to about 2030, you start to get teams full of regens and it takes a lot of scouting and stuff to have any sort of knowledge of the game. So I, I sort of drop off after you get about 10 seasons in. That tends to be when I... I start a save when you lose all sense of realism and every team is full of players you've never even heard of or don't even exist because they just add random regens into the game. But that's probably the best recent save I've had. Back in the Champ Man days, which was like 10, 15 years ago, I remember winning the Champions League with Albion Rovers, a lower league Scottish team. Sunday Olesay was my best player. It is a lot tougher to do that sort of thing in the new games. You can't really take a team from the bottom to the very top anymore because they've tried to make things a bit more realistic. So I like to jump between teams and try and get my manager as high as possible. So Patrick Delaney in his question, Graham said, you can tell a lot by a man by how they play football manager. What do we tell about you apart from that you've got too much free time? Uh, I think the fact that I start unemployed kind of maybe says I've got uh, low self-esteem or something like that. <laughs> Otherwise you would start at Barcelona or Real Madrid or something. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you, you like the journey. It's all about the journey rather than the destination, Indeed. right, Graham? Just yeah, life. absolutely. I'd like to see how, how far you can get before I hit that 10-season threshold. Very good. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, one for Taylor from Wes in Japan. Your favourite band from Richmond. Now, Taylor, um, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. I know Mumford & Sons are from Wimbledon, which is about six miles from Richmond. But um, hmm. any, any other suggestions? Have I got, I've got the right stick, I see, what, stick, I I see what you've done here. Yeah. Yes, Richmond is in fact named for Richmond-upon-Thames, a, a, a city-slash-town in England. But I'm assuming Western Japan was referring to Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and I would say the the best band, there aren't that many to come out of Richmond. I, I would say Guar. Guar is kind of the Richmond institution, if you're not familiar with them. Do some Googling and prepare to be confused. Uh, <laughs> they are, they are strange. They are thrash metal. They have very elaborate costumes. I think they are, I guess the best way to put it would be like space barbarians, uh, is their characters that they play. They play loud music. Uh, they tend to offend, but they are an institution. They have a bar here in Richmond. Uh, if you broaden this to favorite act from Richmond, then the answer is, of course, Pusha T, who is from Virginia Beach. Uh, Pharrell, also from Virginia Beach, but Pusha T is my favorite Virginia uh, musician. Guar, I think the best band from Richmond. 
Uh, Gua, I don't know much about their oeuvre, Taylor, but they they belong in my head to the Slipknot school of wearing silly costumes. See, here's the thing. I instantly push back on that because I like I cannot stand Slipknot. <laughs> um, so I think, but I know what you mean, and they probably are, and that's just my own bias showing. But they're they're just sort of like punk, but a little bit ska thrown in there too, and then they're singing about rid- ridiculous things. So I guess so, but it's less overtly mean i guess and more so playfully mean what what's the best band for each of the four hosts from where they're from ryan who would you nominate for from london not no not london you need to be more specific (laughs) than that okay from my not this again my hometown of uh darford where i grew up uh mick jagger went to my school i'll say the rolling stone of course he did yeah for goodness sake (laughs) (laughs) i've set the bar quite high there graham what about you yeah, I thought I was good. Well, I'd say Glasgow. I know it's not technically my hometown, but my adopted hometown. So like Mogwai, uh, Franz Ferdinand, Biffy Clyro from just down the road, uh, Travis, Texas, quite a few bands. But yeah, I think the Rolling Stones <laughs> beat them all. And of course, we know for Joe, it's Jimmy Eat Well, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I'm allowed to say anything else, so... Correct, correct. Uh, all right, thank you very much, Wes in Japan, for that one. Uh, Lloyd Hybron. Um, <laughs> Taylor asks, have you banned Ryan Bailey from USMNT related <laughs> episodes or does he just refuse to appear? Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, yes, unofficially banned. Uh, but no, the real, the real answer would be basically, I don't think we ever really discussed it, but we started off with each of you doing different shows, sort of. I think like it was me and Ryan doing a weekend review. Then Graham started joining us for that. It was me and Joe talking about Americans abroad. Uh, I can't remember if it was all of us immediately doing listener questions or how that worked, but there are, if I'm being totally candid, there are obviously budgetary things about going from podcast with two hosts to a podcast with four hosts makes it that you got to kind of consider some different things. But I think my assumption initially, and even since then, is basically that it would be sort of like taking a friend along with you and another friend to go see, let's say like Ryan took me to go see Jimmy Eat World along with another one of his friends who is super into Jimmy Eat World. And the two of them are like <laughs> nerding out and singing every song and wearing the shirt of the band, even though they, that's not like the cool thing, but they don't care because they love him that much. And then I'm over there just sort of like, all right, any other bands happening or should we keep this moving? What are we doing? Like, that's kind of what I imagine. It would be Ryan drumming his, his fingers and being very confused <laughs> why we cared so much about like a college soccer player uh, for like a 20 minute segment of a show. So that was sort of my assumption. It was basically saving Ryan from pain. But I also think <laughs> Ryan might be good at keeping things moving when we do get into the weeds. So maybe that's the thing that we should open up. The, Ryan, you want to talk to tru- USA? Um, the truth is there's actually a quota <laughs> of British accents allowed by the American media like to talk better. about American like soccer. And Ryan would just tip it over the threshold. Although now that Arlo White has seemingly less, uh, left soccer, maybe Ryan, there's a, there's a free spot now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to any Saudi Gulf leagues or anything at this point, so I can stick <laughs> around here for sure. Um, yeah, I, I would very much like to be on USMNT shows, but it, Taylor, it's something we've never discussed. And I think, as we say, I don't go on, I'm not appearing on every show, and I would like to do so in the future, unless I am shadow banned. We'll find out, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, okay, then here's the rule. You can't refer to every player as probably born in England or not as good as an England player. <laughs> That's the only thing. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I was I wondering mean, if you were actually going to commit to that. I can't stick to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, we can do that. We can definitely do that. That's that's. It's a fair thing. It's one of those. I don't know if you all work like this. I will be like honest and say like I am 
I, like, I think I am ultimately, like, pretty dumb. Like, I think I have a caveman brain a little bit, and there's stuff where, like, my wife never told me that she doesn't drink red wine in the summer, and I was like, oh, it might be a little bit chilly, which, like, it doesn't make sense because it's the summer. So I bought red wine, and she was like, I don't drink that. I don't think I've ever told you that. And now I will never buy red wine again in the summer because she told me that it requires like me being told a thing for me to understand a thing. And I think I've just sort of been like, ah, I'm assuming Ryan doesn't want to do US stuff. So we'll just do that one. But now that I know he does, Ryan, you're still shadow banned uh, until you refer to Gio Reyna as fully American and not at all English. Never! <laughs> but no, let's make that happen then. Let's get all four of us on, on some US shows then. Love it. Sounds good. Excellent. Thank you, Lloyd, for uh, for um putting the band-aid on this wound or pulling it off i'm not sure what is the correct <laughs> analogy for this one but uh we're, we're all clear on this one thank you very much uh let's do a few more um a few people ed ritter and gibran chave gudino wanted to know guys uh about our kids and our families uh, they also wanted our socials our list of fears <laughs> our blood types and uh, passwords for our popular email servers now just kidding on the last parts but they'd like to hear more about our significant others what they do for work and our families uh um, whatever you're willing to share, gents. Graham, do, would you care to share anything on that subject? Yeah, so I will start off with my daughter, who will be three in two weeks. She is full on. Some kids I've noticed are quite placid and you can sit them down and they will stay there. Not not Sophie, she will not do that. We were away over the weekend and she sat in the back of the car on the way home this morning dressed as Belle from Beauty and the Beast singing songs from Encanto all the way from the Lake District up to Glasgow. And this was after a night during which she knocked on our bedroom door at 3am to tell us that a spider was crawling up her leg and that a bee had stolen all her, stolen all her toys. So there's always something to keep, your, keep you on... Uh, your toes with Sophie and uh, Sophie, uh, my wife, Lucy and I, we had Sophie, as I said, in 2019, she's coming up for three. So that is our little family. Very nice. Did you, Graham, did you catch the bee or or not? I don't go anywhere near bees, Joe. That's actually fair. That's the right call. (laughs) The new, uh, those are dangerous. The Netflix show. I'm not a sadist. The Netflix show, Man vs. Bee, that's just come on. I think that was based on your life, right? Definitely. Yeah. I have not seen that show. What is this show? Rowan Atkinson, Chasing a Bee. That's the oh, of course. Premise. Of course, it's Ron Atkinson. He, his <laughs> life and career has been building up to a Netflix show called Man vs. B. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Joe, anything you care to share on this one? Sure. So I, I don't have any kids and I'm not married. So that's pretty straightforward. But I do have a, a wonderful fiance who uh, is great and will be married in a few months. Huzzah. I am really excited. That sounded like, like fake excitement, but I am. I'm very thankful. Hazard. Joe, you say Hazard a lot. Have you watched the show The Great, which is a wonderful TV show on Hulu? So here, Ryan, do you want to answer that question or should I, I guess? No, I'll do it. No, I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a popular catchphrase from that show and it's an excellent show. Should you ever indulge in a TV show of any kind, Joe? Gotcha. I recommend that one. Will do. Tay-Tay? Yes, sir. How about you? (laughs) Talk about things. Talk about family. Uh, my My wife, Margaret, and I met in 2008. Uh, we kind of we grew up in the same area, but I did not know her growing up. I knew her brothers, and it was her brother that introduced us. Uh, we got married in 2013, and we had our one and only child in 2020. Uh, her name is Reverie Nahir Rockwell. Uh, Reverie is from a classical piece uh, that I think translates to to be like blissfully lost in one's own thoughts, which my wife liked a lot and she loves that piece. It's by a musician whose name I cannot pronounce because a juvenile co-worker of mine at the record store uh, pronounced it deliberately wrong and that's how I will pronounce it forever, so you can look that one up. 
Uh, and her second name here is the Turkish word for river because we lived on the river in Turkey. We live on the river here in Richmond uh, and we like it quite a bit. And my biggest thing I've learned about being a, a parent is that kids, especially at her age, she's a little over a year and a half now, are basically mirrors. And so you learn really quickly uh, that they pick up on the things that you do and they start doing them themselves. And if you don't do things well or you handle things the wrong way and you see them do it, you realize like, oh, no, I got to work on that. So it's a good mirror into your who you are as a person. And it can be much like every mirror, a flattering mirror or a terrifying mirror. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I'll go last. Um, I met my wife, uh, my lovely wife, uh, at university. We were married in 2011, shortly before we moved to the USA together. As I mentioned, she is the reason I got to live the American dream and will do again shortly as well with her uh, employment. Uh, we have two children. They are both girls. They are seven and nine. They are amazing. The youngest girl is the smallest and loudest person I've ever met. Uh, the eldest girl is called Jessica, who is named after, at least in part, an Allman Brothers song, which I like very much. Um, and that's about it. My other daughter's called Madison because we're basic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the answer. That's that well said. That's good. Basic Bailey. <laughs> Indeed, living up to my true values there. Thank you very much uh, to all who asked about that. Uh, let's go to Sad Ocho Cinco. Aww. Ocho Cinco was at Philadelphia Union this weekend. I don't know if anyone saw that. He was having a I great did, time. Yeah. He was not sad. Um, do you have a soccer opinion now that has changed significantly over time? And do you have a life opinion that has changed significantly over time? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my soccer opinion that's changed significantly over time is that the US is a soccer country. And I've experienced that firsthand because I've very much seen it grow into one. When I first arrived in the States over a decade ago, I felt like um, being a soccer person and writing about soccer every day, it didn't feel like it was part of the mainstream conversation per se. And that might be because my circles changed and I got more ingrained into the US soccer scene as time went on. But I felt like the analogy I always give people is when we first moved to the States, when we went to the beach, people, kids and young adults would be throwing a ball. And now when you go there, they're all kicking one and they're wearing Barcelona shirts. I think that's a real difference. You've seen a real sea change in soccer in the US, and it's only getting more and more popular. Um, you know, you go to the bar near where we lived 10 years ago, and they wouldn't be showing soccer at 4 p.m. on the screen. Don't ask why I'm going to the bar at 4 p.m., by the way. Um, but if you go there... Because the Chili's has closed? Exactly, yeah. You've got to get the early bird special. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you go there now, there very much is soccer on the TV. So that would be something that's changed through experience i would say and that's probably something you'd all agree with as well uh, i'll leave the life stuff for now but uh graham anything for you uh something i mean my opinions change from week to week so both on soccer and life so it's kind of difficult to keep track of things so i had to have a a think about this a soccer one is uh the europa league is definitely something i've changed my mind on over the years i used to i used to mock it and see it as pretty pointless and now i think it might be uh arguably my favorite competition of all the competitions i think it's brilliant and it may not have the big blockbuster matches that the champions league have um but you learn something different about every team that you watch and there's different players and you learn something about different places from countries that don't always get the spotlight and i always feel like i learn something when i watch the europa league so that's something i have definitely over the last 10 years i would say have grown to love when before i wasn't a fan lovely joe for me, and I kind of referenced this earlier as far as when I first got into soccer or, or near that time, 
I got really interested in in the strategy behind the game, and I'm still very interested in that. And I think it's an important part of the game that doesn't get enough coverage from a lot of folks in mainstream media, and doesn't even really get focused on enough in in coaching situations and, and within coaching staffs and teams. But I think one thing that's changed for me is maybe how important that is. I still think it's important and, and probably not important enough, but I moved all the way from one end of this of this spectrum a little bit back towards the middle over the years. And as I've watched more soccer and thought about the game more and, and read other people talk about it and, and listened and all of those different things, I think I've realized that those things are important. But, but I mean, Julian Angelsman has this quote about how you can you can know everything about the tactical side, but if you can't relate to people, none of that matters, right? So it is important also to find the balance between those things. And I think I've I've landed now a little bit closer to the middle, still on the side of tactics being important, absolutely. But I think that's one thing that's changed for me pretty drastically. It might feel like a minor thing, but that's that has changed how I view and, and think about soccer over time. And finally, Tata. Yeah, mine mine's maybe a little bit depressing, uh, to be honest, because I think uh, like there are people who keep their like optimism or their naivete, depending on how you want to see it as they go. And I think that is to be commended because I think that's really hard for me. It's basically been over time caring or being interested less and less in the players themselves, because I think what we've learned, especially in recent history, is that if you are sort of all in on a person and you have all these te- like this guy does this and he's amazing in this and he's such a good guy and this and that, like you never know the full story. And and I guess the best way to explain this would be that when we first got a dog, it, luckily it was a girl. But if it had been a boy, I think we would have probably named it Giggsy. It would have been after Ryan Giggs. And that is a very strange person who I like idolized as a kid and now I'm not really comfortable talking about anymore. And and so I think for me, it's always been like, you never know what's going on. So sort of putting all of your faith into a 21-year-old who has a ton of stuff going on in their life and ex- expecting them to be a perfect person is only going to set you up for having to have, I don't know, awkward conversations that you don't really need to have or want to have. And And so I think that that's like a big thing that I've sort of evolved on but with that i think it's kind of a mutual evolution that i also still try to remember that they are people that they are young players who you don't know what's going on their dog could have died their their mom could be sick and that factors into their performance and so i think i always try to kind of veer on the side of like yeah he had a bad game he didn't look as sharp as he normally does uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens next week. And maybe sometimes that's boring because a hot take is, is better and saying, oh, he's trash. He's not good enough for this team. I don't, like that. That is an approach people take. But for me, it just you end up advocating a position that then next week, if they're not trash, you have to go back on. And then suddenly you're just saying conflicting things all the time about fundamentally a person who like I wouldn't want myself talked about in that way. So I, I would like to not talk about a person in that way. So I think that's sort of how I've evolved or how my opinion on talking about soccer and thinking about soccer has changed yeah you're right that was depressing (laughs) yep yep (laughs) it sure was thank you very much for the question there now we've had a wonderful time answering listener questions today i've really enjoyed this episode thank you very much to everyone who submitted a question gents we got a choice now uh we're at about an hour of recording we could all go on our merry little way or we could have a little bonus fun and reintroduce the wikipedia game Game, yes. game, game, game. All right. Game. I like Sounds it. Like I, I, I was, I, I think Ryan was setting us up because we had planned to talk about this, but I was sort of nervous that both of you would be like, ah, I'm good. We've talked plenty. We can move it on. Uh, but I'm excited. We have the Wikipedia game back. We had a few people 
ask about that, ask us to bring it back. And it's one that uh, Daryl and I sort of came up with listening to Doug Loves Movies. Uh, my late co-host Daryl Grove and I came up with uh, where they would do it with the Leonard Moulton game and movies. Uh, but we play it with soccer players and soccer clubs. Uh, and basically the way it will work, uh, I will give you a category. So let's say Graham is going to go first. Graham, there are two categories today. Uh, we'll, we'll do a dry run really quickly. How about that? We'll go with uh, the categories are players that are likely to move this summer or players that have already moved this summer uh, or made deals permanent. And I will give you a player. Let's say this one is four clubs uh, and no repeats. That means he has played for those clubs only. It's not like he's played for Manchester City twice or three times. If he has, then I will tell you and you can count those clubs multiple times. Uh, but I'll say four clubs, no repeats. I'll give you some clues. And then at the end of it, Graham will bid how many clubs he needs to hear to say whether or not he can name that player or who they are. Uh, he can say zero if he knows the player outright, and he can say negative names if he knows the player so well that he can name the player and then also name some of the clubs that player has played for. That is the gist of the rules. Any, like, burning questions before we do a dry run? Let's do it. All right. Let's so, do it, yeah. Graham, let's stick with this one uh, since it's uh, fewer clubs. Uh, he okay. has played for four clubs, none of them twice. I would encourage you all, if you're playing, to jot down some of these notes because it helps you kind of figure it out. If you're trying to keep them in your memory or in your head, it gets a little bit complicated. Four clubs, none of them twice. He's played for his country's youth national teams since 2012. He made his senior debut in 2018. Uh, he has 44 uh, total appearances for that national team, but only one goal. Uh, and no World Cup appearances, but he did play in the 2020 Euros, so did not go to the World Cup recently. Despite playing for at least two major clubs, he has pretty limited silverware. In total, he's won one league title and two cups in two different countries, uh, but I would say not uh, the league title in the place where he is currently playing for now. He is described as a versatile player who can function as a regista, defensive midfielder, central midfielder, holding midfielder, box-to-box -box midfielder, and center back. Uh, so four clubs, Graham, none of them twice, played for his youth national team since 2012, senior debut in 2018, four to four appearances, one goal, uh, went to the Euros, no World Cup, uh, plays in midfield. Oh, I'm struggling with this one. I have to say, um, so I'm going to need a, a good number of mm -hmm. teams. So I'll, I'll stay. I'll say three. Okay, open the bidding with three teams. We're going to go alphabetical order. So Graham goes first. We'll go to Joe. I'll say two, and now we go to Ryan. Do I have to say one? No. If you would <laughs> like to, thank you. I left that up, that part out. If you can no longer bid or you don't feel comfortable bidding, you can challenge Joe to name that player. Then Joe, because he bid two, will get uh, his first two clubs in chronological order, this player, and then Joe can guess. One. Ryan says one. We go to Graham. Graham, do you know that player or would you like to challenge Ryan to name that player? I, I do not know that okay. player, no. So you would then say, Ryan Bailey, name that player. Ryan Bailey, name hey, that player. Hey, we did it. My instructions were poor. Uh -oh. Ryan, <laughs> your one club is Willem Twe. Oh, no, that was not what I was thinking it was going to be. one goal for his national team, 44 appearances, plays a lot of different midfield positions. Uh, I almost gave a clue there. Uh, and has not won a ton of silverware despite playing for some fairly prominent teams. Okay, I think I know the person's nationality. Mm -hmm. But I can't, I can't get the name. It wasn't one of the people I thought it would be. So what do I do now? You just have a guess uh, as, as best you can. 
Okay. Or you could say, I don't know, if you don't want to feel foolish enough to have to throw out. Because uh, we have had people throw out completely wrong guesses for, like, wrong countries. I know. And we'll laugh at you. Yes. Mambo Locatelli. I know he hasn't played there. That's whatever. Ah, Willem II, uh, his first club in the Netherlands. Any ideas for anyone else? Yes. Who is it, Graham? It's Frankie de Jong. I knew it as soon as you said the club. Frankie de Jong. But Graham got that point anyway uh, for challenging Ryan. So, Joe, you will start it. We'll play. But that was a a dry run through, I guess. Uh, No point, Graham. No point for Graham. Do I have negative points? We'll see. You do not. You don't go negative. Don't worry. I but think Ryan should have negative, but that's cool. I have made myself look a fool, which is kind of the object of this exercise anyway. Yeah, but that was expected. <laughs> Specifically uh, you, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, so since you weren't involved, we'll start the game with you. Uh, we'll play to two or time permitting. We'll see where we are. Uh, Joe, okay. would you like players that are likely to move or players that have already made a move permanent? Let's do likely to move. Okay. This gentleman has eight clubs, two of them twice. He made Ooh. his debut for his national team in 2010 and is their current all-time top scorer. He has not had much success when it comes to silverware. Uh, two league titles in two different countries and not a whole lot else. He's been a player of the month in the Premier League and in Serie A. Uh, eight clubs, two of them twice, made his debut for his national team in 2010. So you can do some math on how old that might make him. Uh, he is the, his nation's current all-time top scorer, but not a ton of domestic success despite playing for eight clubs uh, in two different countries. Not a Oh, excuse me, eight clubs in a number of different countries, but he's only won league titles in two of them. Uh, Joe, eight clubs, two of them twice, and that means that if you know the repeats, you can count them twice and you get uh, credit for both of them. How many teams would you like to start with? I'll, I'll start with three. Ooh, okay. Uh, so... I think that means we go to Ryan next. Can I say three, two, three as well? You cannot. You have to go under or challenge Joe to name that player. I challenge Joe. Congratulations, oh, I'm so scared. Joe. That's you not go. how I wanted that to go. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, his first three clubs are Anderlecht, Chelsea, and West Brom. Okay, Anderlecht, Chelsea. I am, I am hopeless here. Anderlecht, Chelsea. Oh, I've got it. Yeah. See, see, this is, this is the difficulty here. Um. Okay, so Anderlecht, if we're starting in Belgium, which is helpful, um, mm-hmm. and thinking through Chelsea and West Brom, I, uh, I do not Joe, think this you, is. You can do this. Trust, just take. take okay, a Lukaku. Look at what you. Look at it's Lukaku. Lukaku. You got it. Yeah, Taylor, yeah. thank you. I was this close to saying Christian Benteke and hating myself. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> oh, Taylor, good. what's the deal with what's the deal with the negative clubs and the and the rules as well? Because mm-hmm. that was what if if it came to me, that was the because I knew who it was mm-hmm. and I was going to try and that's when you can actually name the clubs, right? Yeah. So how many clubs of Lukaku do you think you could have guessed? Oh, I think I could do a pretty good job of the eight. Yeah. So, like, you could have said negative four, and then you would have just had to say four of his clubs, including you would have to say okay. Lukaku and four of his clubs. But, and, for example, knowing that Chelsea, he, West Brom, Everton, United, Inter. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably missing one there. But, yeah, that's my. And then also, the repeats is key because, for example, you know he's played for Chelsea two times. You can say Chelsea and Chelsea, uh-huh. and that's two clubs. Uh, right, yeah, okay. and then okay, there's it. also a Wikipedia rule, uh, I think that's what we called it, that if a player goes on loan and then signs, they list that as two different uh, teams. So he went on loan to Everton and then signed for them. So that would be the other repeat in this one. And then Inter Milan will soon be a third repeat. It stands to reason. But Joe gets our point. I believe Ryan challenged him. So Graham, you can start this round. Okay, 
players. How do I do that? Players that have moved <laughs> or players that are likely to move. Ah, uh, right. The, from the two categories. Yeah. Okay. So let's go for sake of right for the sake of variety. Let's go for players that have already moved. All right. This gentleman uh, has moved this summer. Six clubs, no repeats, and that does not include his current club. So he has moved, but Wikipedia does not yet list them because he has not played for them. Uh, it sh- so it should be seven clubs, uh, but then two of them are reserve teams, One of- and then his current team is not listed. So really, there's like four senior teams here, uh, but there's some reserve okay. teams included. This player cites Cristiano Ronaldo, Michu, Jamie Vardy, and Robin Van Persie as inspirations. He credits Virgil van Dijk and Sergio Ramos as the two toughest defenders he has played against. So he's played against people from different leagues. Uh, he made his senior team debut in 2016. He also has not won a ton of silverware, two league titles with one club and then two cups, uh, but not a lot with his, his, his most recent club for whom he is most well known. He reportedly achieved a world record in his age category for the standing long jump when he was five years old with a distance of 1.63 meters. So he can jump pretty far. He likes goal scorers. Uh, he does not like very good center backs. Hasn't won a ton of silverware, but has won some silverware and has played for six clubs, none of them twice. Graham, how many of those six clubs do you need to know to name this player? Two. Ooh, okay. Two, and that takes us to, I think, Joe. I'll say one. Hmm. Ryan, can you name this player, or would you like Joe to try to name the player with one club? I think I can name him, but I might make a fool of myself. Can I do try? it, Ryan. Do it. Do it. Is it Haaland? No, you can't say it yet. You have to guess. You have to say zero clubs. Zero. Graham, Is it Haaland? Ryan doesn't understand the rules of this game. <laughs> Ryan bids zero and thinks he knows the player. Graham, can you name the player and some of the clubs he has played for? Because uh, if so, then you have to bid the player and then that number of clubs that you can guess. No, I don't think I can. All right. So do you want to challenge Ryan then? Yes. Ryan, say the name that you just said. Is it Haaland? It is Erling Haaland. Ryan gets nice. one point. There we go. Erling Haaland for Bryn 2, then Bryn, then Molda 2, then Molda, then Red Bull Salzburg, and then Borussia Dortmund. Uh, so Yay. we have one point for Joe, one point for Ryan. Let's do one more. We'll see if we end in a full-way tie or if uh, Joe or Ryan can get the win. Also, uh, this but- is wild because we all know that Graham should be winning this game. <laughs> okay, actually, let's do that. Let's say Graham has one point. For the whoa, first whoa, one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go that far. Huh? All right, fine. All right. <laughs> then, Graham, you can... Uh, but I think it was what? Joe challenged Ryan or Graham challenged... Graham challenged Ryan, so Joe gets to pick again. Joe, players likely to move or players that have already moved? We'll say have already moved again. All right, I'm going to make this one not hard, but slightly tricky. Eight clubs, no repeats, uh, and his new club is listed in this one, though he has not yet played for, so that is one of the eight. Uh, he was born in a country that is no longer a country. He has scored goals in two World Cups and two Euros, and I think has played in an additional Euro, but he did not score in that one. But two World Cups, two Euros he has scored. He's won silverware in Germany with three different clubs, though I only remember that he played for one, as well as a league and a cup in another country where he played most recently until this summer's transfer. We have definitely talked about this guy on the show many times, but rarely, to my mind, has he been the star of those conversations. We often talk about him, but I think not in any great detail. Uh, and he also, here's your random one that will totally help. He played in a professional volleyball tournament. I think he was eliminated in the first round. Oh. And he married his high school sweetheart. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll start it. it I'll Eight start clubs. it at 
three. I, uh, I don't know, and I know Graham does, so this is going to be difficult for me to get anything out of. Go ahead. Uh, so I think that takes it to Ryan. Ryan, how many One? can you name uh, that player in fewer? Or do you need fewer clubs than three? One. One, says Ryan. We go to Graham. Graham, can you name that player? Uh, and if you can, can you go negative and name some of the clubs? He's yeah, I'm going to go negative, right? right. So I'm going to go negative... Uh, I mean, I would. I think four. I can definitely get four. Oh, goodness. I, I think I know who it is now, but I cannot beat negative four. So, Graham, name that player. Okay, so the, the deal is here, I can just... Do these have to be in chronological no. order, these teams? No. Or, okay, so the, the clubs, I've had to name the player or first yep. or just go for name the clubs? Okay, so the player, I think, is Ivan Perisic. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Nice. Four, four clubs, Inter Milan, uh, he played for Bayern Munich, he played for Dortmund... And he also played... Well, can I use his current club you that he can. signed for? That was why I okay. said that one, yeah. So Spurs, he signed for Spurs this summer. If I was going for five, I think he also played for Wolfsburg, did correct. he not? He did. And Bruges, uh, Rosalare, and Seychelles are his other clubs. But Graham Ruffin. Good job, could, Graham. Could have gone negative five, but went negative four. Graham gets the point, and we end in a three-way tie, which I feel like is a good point to end on for the... The reintroduction of the Wikipedia game, I apologize if my hosting skills were rusty or if my explanatory skills were rusty, but I think we got there in the end. And I would like to keep playing this somewhat regularly uh, as we go, because I think it gets really fun. You can find different variations yeah. of it, and uh, it gets u- ultra competitive pretty quickly. I'm that, down. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Tater. Yay. And I'm sorry if I jumped the gun and didn't understand the rules at one point. I mean, <laughs> it's okay. I think I have more concern for, for Graham, who heard you say the name and then chose not to name any of the clubs that player played for. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it even more. Ryan had already done enough to do that, so Fair enough. I thought he'd I'd give me a shot back. Fair Such enough. is my want. All right, gents, let's wrap this one up. Tater Rocco, thank you very much for bringing back Wikipedia Game and for all other services to TSS Industries. Right back at you, and I look forward to talking to you, Ryan, on some US shows. Yes, let's do that. All right, USA, let's wave our flags. Graham, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. Joe Lowry, pleasure as always, sir. Right back at you, Ryan. And listener, thank you so much for joining us on this one. We hope you enjoyed it. There's going to be another one on the feed very shortly, but for now, bye! Woo!